What's up, everybody? You are now tuning in and listening to Cedric, Chris, Dempsey, and Justin, and we are the men of the year. Your mama's favorite group of men streaming on all major podcast platforms. So please subscribe to Men of the Year Pod for the latest content and leave a positive rating and review and let us know how we're doing. Also, follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram at Men of the Year Pod. And if you have questions, suggestions, need advice, or want us to discuss a specific topic, feel free to email us at menoftheyearpod at yahoo.com or shoot us a message on social media. We appreciate you and we thank you for joining us. Let's get to the episode. Men of the Year, Men of the Year, Men of the Year, Men of the Year. Yo, Christopher. I don't have a pot the but I will go ahead and twerk. I'll give you all that work. Christopher, what's going on? I'm just trying to be alive. Yeah? How you feeling though? You still eking through? Migraines on migraines, yeah. Mm, not racks Slowly on racks. But surely, nope. Mm. Well, man, I hope you feel better. But, bro, it's just the two of us for today, man. You and I. <laughs> you and I. Mm, all right, that was. <laughs> hey, that wasn't. That wasn't bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Oh man, cool, cool. Well, hey, Chris. You know what? I think it would be pretty important for you and I to have a conversation kind of stemming a little bit around the topic that Justin Dempsey and myself talked about, which was depression. Think, um, I think I think it ogres have layers. Um, sorry. I, I think. <laughs> I think um, we will be doing a disservice to our listeners if we didn't talk and discuss suicide. That is a completely. Yeah. Last month was suicide awareness month. And I feel extremely bad that we neglected to talk about suicide in general. And if we've ever um, had thoughts of committing suicide and what exactly brought us out of that dark place to ensure that we still fight the fight which is right. life itself so and, and i think it's it's definitely important for us to talk about um i mean considering the the whole premise of our 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 podcast the talk show all that stuff is you know to talk about the taboo there's nothing more taboo in our society <clears throat> that's frowned upon in any type of cultural thing than suicide Mm-hmm. Um, stems all the way back to almost any part of history, um, at least recorded history, because it gets blotted out quite often. Um, yeah. Most notably um, in probably, I'd say, our generation of like things that we can remember, I'd probably say Dr. Gavorkian comes to mind, right? Mm. Um, but it's, it's definitely more prevalent in uh, more cultured um families and backgrounds so like mm-hmm. black indigenous people of uh cult color like it's just it's more taboo for them um correct even though for some reason it's a very highly white thing 
um, or it was at least in like the 80s and 90s, um, mm-hmm. or at least that's how the media played it. Um, I don't know what the statistics are now, but it's definitely something that I think people started opening up about more, uh, either with counselors or just talking in general um, yeah. to kind of start having those conversations. And I think it's definitely a topic we need to start hitting on. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a regular thing that we talk about throughout our podcast or, you know, segments like this where we do a couple of one-on-one sessions, uh, bring some people on, um, talk about their journeys and kind of do what you were talking about, um, see what it was like, how, mm-hmm. how they overcame what they overcame and keep the battle going because life is really a battle. It is. And it's a, a battle that a lot of people struggle with, but with the right help and the right environment, along with the right people surrounding and weapons. You. I don't know about <laughs> weapons, <laughs> but we're fighting. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but having the right the right people around you can really create a positive mentality for you to pull you out of that that dark melancholy place that you're that you're in that kind of is making you want to remove yourself from this, from this, this world. Um, so I want to ask you, Chris, I mean, do you know anybody who has committed suicide, anyone close to you or indirectly, maybe an acquaintance? Um, actually several, um, Mm. unfortunately. So, um, let's see, uh, on the previous episode, um, the my first serious relationship I was in, her father actually took her own life. Um, unfortunately, um, your situation with your family, um, and then also a person, um, he was kind of like a cousin to me. It was someone that my uncle, like, was seeing. It was her kid. Um, we don't know if it was actually suicide. It was an OD. Um, but he wasn't really in the right place. Um, so we can't really, we couldn't really tell if it was or was not. Um, so unfortunately, um, it it probably was just classified as an OD. Yeah. An accidental Um, overdose. uh, Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, what people don't understand is people that OD tend to, in my opinion, I don't know how true, I guess it is. Uh, I would classify a lot of those as suicides um, because a lot of people use drugs to escape. Uh, there's yeah. there's something in this world that they're trying to get away from, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, a, a spiritual pain, something. Um, the drug is their release from this world right? Um, because they don't know how to take, and this is going to sound weird, but they don't know how to take the step the full step to end their own life. So instead of ending their own life, they escape reality in some way. Um, And eventually because it takes more and more to get that escape, it becomes permanent. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the only reason why I would would classify it as suicide. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I apologize if that offends anybody um, because I know people don't like to hear that someone that they loved has committed suicide because a lot of times subconsciously we don't 
think that they would, because mm-hmm. that means that we, as someone close to them, either fail to see signs or we might think that we didn't care enough about them or something. And that's actually not the case. Um, a lot of people that are to the point of, you know, wanting to commit suicide, I don't think want people to know. Um, there are some times where people do cry out, but uh, a lot of people don't want others to know because they probably don't want them to hurt or mm-hmm. feel hurt. Um, just uh, know that like, if somebody has somebody close to them that does commit suicide um, and they lash out at you because, you know, of something you might've said about them and like their, their close person's suicide, they're, they're probably feeling pain. They're not mad at you. They're probably mad at themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely give them a little bit of leeway. So let me ask you this, all the individuals that you had listed that you know of, unfortunately took their, their life a little too soon. I mean, what emotions did you experience? How are you feeling when you heard of the somber news that uh, either loved one or close friend, a distant acquaintance, ended up taking their life i mean i kind of feel dead inside sometimes like when i when i hear it like because i I just don't know what to say you know um because it wasn't i can't really say it was someone like directly close to me per se um -hmm. the one that was like a cousin to me he's probably the closest one right um but like if i'm not like if i'm not like if they're not like my inner circle or like one of my closer layers, um, I usually try and shut those type of emotions out. But I know that like when, uh, like when my girlfriend at the time, when she told me about it, like I felt her like deep sadness. Um, She wasn't old enough to really remember it, but you can tell that it affected her. You know, Mm -hmm. when I found out about, you know, the unfortunate part with your family, like I felt how you guys felt when like your emotions would kind of like seep through. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's hard to explain um, mm-hmm. because I, I don't like my emotions to bleed through or um, even to kind of like well up at all. So like when I when I start feeling like those types of emotions, I try to bottle it up. Um, or if I start feeling like the empathy of others, like kind of mm-hmm. something I try and like push away. That's why I say like I try and feel that inside. <laughs> I guess if that makes any sense. It makes total sense. But it's just it it's it's never a good feeling. Um when anybody loses a life in, in any regard, but when it's somebody who feels they no longer want to be here like there's always that that you know why that's stuck in your head like what what drove them to do that and it's not necessarily because there's so many different ways you can take that question right um but i think the 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 most important one is not necessarily like what we could have done to prevent it. Cause that's, that's going to be a lost cause, right? Because you're not always going to be able to help people. People have to help themselves, unfortunately. Um, I think where everyday people can be the most help is probably to let people know that there are resources out there, you know, 
counselors, um, the hotlines, all those sorts of things. So like the, the whys can probably be better, I guess, extracted. Um, hopefully not after the fact, you know, because the, the point is to prevent it, but um, looking at, you know, the different tools that are out there to try and help it. Um, I know at one point, because I've had a lot of family that are military, a lot of friends that are military, um, there's the, I believe it's the 22 push-up challenge. Uh, you do 22 push-ups for 22 days because man, I, I feel like it's a 22 push-ups 22 days. I've, my mind's been very foggy, so I, I apologize if I'm incorrect about it, but it's it's basically to, to show awareness of the fact that our, our military service personnel that return from, from war, um, they commit suicide, uh, and there's one veteran every 22 seconds that does so. Um, and they're a lot more likely to do so because of some of the things that they've seen or done, um, whether it was very personal or, you know, just different types of traumas. So um, just being able to understand that it's very common to have those depressive thoughts, right. Or the, even the suicidal thoughts and to make sure that we help others seek some kind of counsel. Yeah. Um, those are valid talking points that you brought up. Um, I know that you brought up my situation. Uh, I, so I want to go into a little bit of detail, but still making sure that I'm being very, very respectful of my family. Um, so yes, my father-in-law back in 2016, he ended up taking his life and it really hit my wife extremely hard. I remember the call that she got from her grandmother and from her dropping the phone and breaking down. And she was just an emotional wreck the entire time. And it was hard for me because I couldn't, I couldn't process it for, but I also had to let her grieve as much as she could to, to get better. So all I had, all I was doing was making sure that I was there for her. But I was also grieving, too, because this was literally, you know, I don't have a father. So having my father in law be more of a father figure for me at the age of well, going on 30, it was very refreshing. I mean, he and I, we had a very great uh, relationship with one another. Uh, he took me in pretty much immediately. And we just hit it off very well. Uh, we laughed. My uncle, he certainly loved my father-in-law. They, those two were very close. My father-in-law came Man, to my bachelor parties. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a very trying and difficult time. And even to this day, five years later, five and a half years later, you know, my wife is still trying to cope with the reason why he ended up, you know, taking his life right before his 50th birthday and you know you had so much so much life to live and my boys especially my oldest he was maybe four going on four at the time uh that was hard for him as well uh, knowing that he was losing his grandfather but for my wife to be there trying to cope and trying to find the right coping mechanism was particularly 
uh, difficult, as I mentioned before. Um, I didn't have the answers. And I, I feel that she's probably faulting herself even to this day um, as the reasons why he ended up taking his life. And I, I just want to be as reassuring as possible that, um, you know, she she did everything that she could. Um, I mean, we have our speculations as to why. But, you know, of course, we won't get into that. Uh, but I just feel that, you know, he he ended up taking his life and certainly left the void in our family. There's a lot of unanswered questions that are still out there. Um, but we certainly wanted to understand his pain and I won't fault him for committing suicide. I will never fault anybody for, for doing that. I don't think that is selfish or anything. Cause I don't know what people go through. All I can hope is that you tell me and let me know exactly what you're going through so that I can do my best to help. Um, and like you were saying, hopefully get you the resources, um, for me, I will say that it was, it did leave me numb because I mean, he wasn't my father, my biological father, but he was certainly, like I said earlier, a father figure. And, um, it, it kind of hit me at a later time. I, I just feel for, you know, uh, my wife is, it's very difficult for, um, still to this day. I mean, sometimes, uh, we share stories about them and discuss the good things. But I, I know that sometimes in the back of her mind, I could just tell that she's the wondering. Pain the pain is definitely still there. And I think she always asks herself, you know, what could I have done differently to still have my father here? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I can't speak <laughs> on it. Right whether it's whether it's an individual situation like this one right or mm -hmm. just as a as a whole because obviously i'm still with the living um but like the way i i would look at it is even though it would be suffering for us for them to pass it would be more suffering for them for them to stay yeah that that's the way i would look at it like it it, it would overall for humanity, the way I would look at it, humanity as a whole would suffer more from them having to, to drag on. And that's where, um, like when I was a kid, I didn't know better. Like I was like, oh, Dr. Kevorkian, he's a doctor who's supposed to save people and he kills them. Like that's bad. Um, but as soon as like I was able to start like actually processing and critically thinking, mm -hmm. I realized how important someone like Dr. Kevorkian is. Uh, and even even today, we're more humane when it comes to animals, pets, etc., than we are with humans. I know, isn't uh, that a weird phenom? It, it's just it it's it baffles my mind. Um, mm -hmm. We put you know, more like stock you, into the animals' lives than we yeah. do our fellow human. <laughs> like um, horses, uh, they get a bad break in one of their legs, um, they get put down. Yeah. Dogs, they have a terminal illness, or they're extremely old to where they're their quality of life has degraded so much that they have the option to be put down. Um, but yeah, as, as a human who has legal rights, who has the ability to critically think all this other stuff, um, 
we don't have any type of measure where we can we can say hey you know answer these types of things we'll see if you are in the correct state of mind to be able to sign off on something like this or even say like hey you you don't seem like you're in the correct state of mind you know maybe because it's some sort of illness right but you're you're obviously in pain you can have um you know a guardian or someone like sign off on it with you you know i don't understand why that is something we don't allow um it, it's just weird to me because you know we allow for death penalties for people who commit atrocious crimes mm-hmm. um we still have that in various states and everything but yet we don't allow for people to have a way to leave this this life in a humane way um especially now that like big pharmaceutical is is a, a very rampant thing um poverty is very stricken throughout this world etc like we talk about the the proper society um and you know being humane and all this other stuff and yet we deny some of the the most humane things uh possible but at the same time it also brings in the fear of you know mass genocide of you know people being killed under the guise of um you know assisted suicide and stuff like that so there's always there's always pitfalls um and evils behind any threshold so yeah, when you said there's going to be mass genocides, I mean, when you were first, you know, bringing your your valid talking points, I was thinking to myself, man, if a lot of people uh, had these suicidal thoughts and there was a humane way to do it, oh, you know, the I guess the um, the death would be in masses and droves. It really would because there's so many people who who have suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's where, but that's why, that's why I think there should be like checks and balances, right? Because um, let's say, let's say they go to the clinic or whatever to get the uh, the euthanasia, right, or, mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Um, well, then you have to actually go through. They have to check your medical records to see, oh, did he seek counseling? Did he check to see if any herbal remedies work? Any pharmaceutical remedies work, mm-hmm. etc. Um, you know, what is the ailment? You know, what is the, yeah. What's the, the cause of your yeah, pain? Cause I don't, I don't yeah. want to say ailment because a lot of people think ailment is usually physical. Um, I'm, I'm one that believes because I mean, it happens to me all the time. It's not always physical. Uh, mm-hmm. Mine's a neurological disorder, yeah. the brain pain um, coach, the brain pain. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing um like almost anything uh it it takes a lot of like groundwork and everything but i i I still think that it's something that should be considered um especially for those that are seeking it uh and they're seeking it for reasons that do make sense for a vast majority of people um Mm -hmm. now like we can all say with with the vast different opinions that we all have that someone can say, Oh, that makes sense to me. So why isn't it allowed? Well, 
that's where we have to, as a society, basically find what's, I guess, more right in a way. Um, not necessarily like whose pain is worse or anything like that, but um, trying to find the the right path to saying, hey, you know, just because somebody's old doesn't mean that they should just be killed off, right? Because mm-hmm. then we're going to start getting into like age wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that, that goes back to people abusing powers and everything. So, yeah. Um, but I don't want to take us down like the wrong path with any of this conversation. So, yeah, just imagine, uh, just imagine that going on a, the ballot yeah. in November, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Chris, I got a, I got a personal question for you because we are on this personal man. Hey, we're on the topic. Yeah. I want to ask you have you ever considered suicide? Have you ever had suicidal? thoughts or tendencies uh, i've actually attempted uh multiple oh, times oh, um wow. yeah so i think when i was drunk one time i think i might have told someone or maybe a couple times maybe but um so this is a very new experience for me to tell someone like yourself yeah. um and it's going to be heard by a couple dozen people maybe hundreds of people who who knows um but uh my first attempt um i was seven years old um Mm. and thankfully even though i was a very smart seven-year-old um i actually knew how to operate cars and everything at that point um i also knew how to operate a gun uh my father who was recently deceased uh, he owned a revolver, and I knew where it was kept. Um, one day when I was home alone, um, after being bullied uh, like I normally was, and just feeling the way I'd always felt since I could remember, um, mm-hmm. I went up, grabbed the shoebox, grabbed the gun, pulled back the hammer, pulled the trigger. Thankfully, there was no bullet in it. Failed attempt. Didn't know where the bullets were, so I couldn't really load the gun. And that was attempt number one. Um, by the time I was 10, I had attempted four times. Uh, gun was the first time. Um, I attempted to suffocate and strangle myself two different times. Uh, once I created a mock noose, um, tied it to the bunk bed above me, um, Thankfully, I don't know how to make a hangman's knot, and it came undone um, while I was face down, like in the pillow uh, with it around my neck. Uh, mm-hmm. So it came undone while I was passing out, and I just apparently just ended up falling asleep instead. Um, second time, I, I tried to suffocate myself with the pillow, which I don't know if anyone's actually attempted that as well, but I don't really think that's much of a possible feat because um, your, your instincts tend to kick in. Um, mm-hmm. and then the fourth time, um, I grabbed a bottle of pills. I'm pretty sure it was probably Tylenol. I don't really remember obviously being a kid. Yeah. Um, I think there were like eight, nine pills or something in it. it took them all. Um, and I don't think it really did anything to me, but, uh, those were the attempts, uh, when I was a kid, um, and I didn't really make any 
serious attempts after um i would after that several other times throughout my teenage years uh, i would either cut myself or i would take a large knife and get ready to pretend like i was going to gouge my arms or my legs mm-hmm. um, but i was always afraid of the pain that would come with it um so thankfully i was quite a bit of a coward when it came to pain um physically uh even though i was quite accustomed to it uh just from various different aspects of my life um, yeah bullies and physically yeah. assaulting uh, you yeah uh, but it just i never went through with it thankfully um but right. like i've always had i've always had the that I don't want to say that mindset, but it's always been in the back of my mind um, during some like the, the hardest or darkest times. Um, I want to say definitely in 2020 uh, when I was unemployed and I could not find a job, I was probably at that point again. Thankfully, I didn't have any means to, to really go through with it. And mm. I've always been able to combat a lot of my depressive feelings um though i probably should either be medicated or have seeked professional care like we've discussed before um and then even now um going through what i've been going through with my migraines i've i've never had this this health problem be this dramatic before to where there have been times where it's crossed my mind but it's not been something that i've wanted to act on um, but it just, to me, the, the way I'm looking at it now, I mean, I, I can barely do anything like to me, this almost feels like I'm not really living. Mm. Um, I mean, yes, I can communicate with people and stuff, but I don't really get the opportunity right now to go out and do things. Um, yeah. I struggle going to stores, uh, for more than 30 minutes. Because either the lights, the sounds, the smells, something is going to trigger more severe pain or more issues, either cognitively or uh, with like motor functions or something with me. Um, I've been noticing too. Uh, I've had one. I've had one day since mid-August so far that I felt alive normal no i i wouldn't even say alive i felt somewhat normal um i could walk normally without leaning against the wall or propping myself up on something uh like using my arm to hold hold myself up on like a railing or um a a small wall or a desk or something um Mm -hmm. or even a shopping cart um so going places is quite difficult um, to the point where, like, I look at it and I used to be a very active person. Um, two years ago, before the pandemic, I spent three weeks camping in Utah and Arizona. Um, I would take hikes with my uncle from dawn till dusk. Uh, we would go on trips that would um, take probably like, um, whatever the, what is it? Fitbit um, steps or whatever, like Mm -hmm. anywhere between 
like on one of our late days, I think it was like 18,000 steps uh, all the way up to, I believe it was like 38,000 was one, oh, wow. of our, one of our days. So I used to be the type of person that I would love to move. Um, in, in high school, I was, I played four sports in college. I, I rarely ever liked to sit around. Um, I mean, unless I was playing video games, but <laughs> you know, what, what guy doesn't like playing video games. Right. Um, hmm. so it just, it's, this is the, the part where like the whole quality of life thing comes into play and trying to figure out what makes sense as far as a like quality of life or, you know, what, what can improve that quality of life to where that conversation comes in as to, you know, what would make sense to say at what point is this really living? you know mm-hmm. uh and obviously that's not a question that we're going to answer right sorry cedric i'm not going to be paying you the the price of a psychiatrist or anything like that this is this is a free episode right um, <laughs> absolutely so, 100%. um that's that's something that i have to figure out not necessarily on my own but also on my own um through through counsel with a professional in some way but eventually it'll be through my own discovery but um it's it's something that i know all of us have struggled with at some point or will struggle with um i mean i'm I'm pretty sure the midlife crisis that people talk about has something to do with severe depression of not knowing what the hell life has in store for them um i used to be a very passionate person uh when i was younger and then i just realized more and more that i don't know what the hell I want. I don't know what really triggers true emotions for me anymore. And I don't really know what drives me. Um, So I think that's, there's a lot going on in all of our lives that we have to slow down and take a look at. um, And we can't just do it by ourselves. Um, I've been, half bedridden i i can basically say since mid-august so i've had plenty of time to slow down but the problem is is like without having the right kind of person to ask you the right kind of questions for you to dig it out of yourself you're not going to be able to necessarily come up with it i mean you could you know you that that'd be fantastic if you can come up with it yourself but you you need someone to help pry a lot of that out of you if you're in that type of spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I know you mentioned 2020, you were in a very low place. I'm so happy that you're still here, man. I mean, Hey, I'm not that far away. So if you ever need anything and you need to even just change the, the scenery a little bit, by all means, you know, I got a guest room for you. So I don't, yes, I know sir. that's, I know that's not a, a permanent solution to whatever's going on with you, but at least it'll act as a buffer in the meantime until we can figure out what's going on with you. Cause mm-hmm. man, that's, that's uh, it's sad to hear that, you know, you ended up having these bouts with suicidal thoughts at such a, an early age and that you even attempted. And I was, as you were explaining those stories, I was getting a little emotional and, um that yeah that's it's just unheard of for a, a young child uh who's 
you know, same age as my son right now, my youngest son, wanting to take his own life because of other people and, and things like that. So, yeah, I was uh, was pulling on my, um, it was tugging on my heartstrings a little bit, man. I will be honest with you. Um, and I, and I'm, obviously I'm not a professional either, um, but I'm pretty sure at one point I remember seeing, reading or hearing something about it also being some kind of chemical mm-hmm. imbalance potentially. Um, so it, it really could be something where, you know, if you're on medication for something, it could be the medication. If you're not on medication for something, it could be that you're not on medication. Um, you know, there are a lot of different possibilities um like what i'm finding out right now with migraines Mm -hmm. anything that affects you neurologically there are seamlessly or seemingly endless possibilities Um, yeah there's so much that goes on with the brain (laughs) and that's that's not necessarily a good thing um yeah not too good yeah not too good at all um so just always always just being aware of that and for those of you that can relate to any part of this no matter how big or small um just know that there are resources out there um you're not the only one going through it because i know a lot of times even though we know we're not the only ones going through it it still feels like you know we are um because we don't talk about it enough uh, and that's that's one of the reasons obviously why this podcast exists is to be able to talk about it more mm-hmm. um i don't know necessarily how it's going to help or if it will help um but as long as it helps even one person just i mean even even with you saying cedric like hey you know spare room etc like when i was reaching out just in general um obviously not making any of it known to other people like in 2020 just like having conversations um even the simplest things that people would say or do would improve on my mental well-being so it's very easy to sometimes get out of the hole um even if it's temporary uh i think the problem is is finding a way to stay out of the hole uh and i definitely don't necessarily know how to do that because i've fallen back into that hole many times in my life so um and a lot of times too like I mean, obviously, I've had I've had a lot of traumatic things in my life, or like um, different things, like where like my I would have like family members die, or like uh, my best friend when I was growing up, he moved back to England, England, and basically all of my friends disappeared because they were only friends with me because he was my best friend uh, and I was his best friend. Like it, it's funny how like certain things might trigger it, like when. When my mom died, she was probably the person I was closest with. And that never triggered an event for me. Mm -hmm. It was one of the hardest things in my life, but it never triggered an event. It's weird to say, but it was probably, it lifted this huge weight off of me when she died, uh, which I can't really explain. And I'm not going to explain on this episode anyways, it's a different topic, but um, it's weird to see how different things can affect you in different ways emotionally, especially when it comes to depression or suicide. 
because um, mm-hmm. that would have been something I would have thought would have sent me over the edge. Um, which it just it. The more I think about it, because um, every once in a while, like obviously, it comes up. Um, her birthday was ten fifteen, um, so obviously, like every October, um, there's always that reminder, uh, and then every every uh, March is always the reminder as well of when she passed and everything. But like, it's yeah. just it's just very odd. Um, how even though it's a very painful memory and happy at the same time because of you know everything great that she was um it never triggered that thought or or chemical imbalance or whatever it is for me man well i will say this hey chris you still got one brother left man boys and i got <laughs> I, oh, I was, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I said that I on a previous I got, episode I, before. <laughs> I got, I got two, and then, and then you guys. So yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, so I want to ask this this question. Um, or maybe no, we can not allowed. Never, nope. I'm never. gonna. I, I gotta ask it, man, because uh, I want you to expand on it, and I will let our listeners know. Um, a question that I asked Chris previously, if he's ever had any suicidal tendencies uh speaking for myself i have never had any thoughts of removing myself from this world i did mention that i've had several bouts with seasonal depression but not to the extent where i would want to remove myself but i've never had that those type of thoughts ever cross my mind i mean i'm fortunate for it and I, like I said, even earlier on this episode, I can only imagine what people are thinking and what they're going through um, when they are getting to that point of wanting to commit suicide. But Chris, what I wanted to ask you specifically, with all that, that ended up occurring. And I'm so proud of your resiliency. Um, but I wanted to ask you, how did you pull yourself out of those dark moments? Um, like you're still here, which is phenomenal. I'm so happy for that because you, I do consider you as a brother. Um, so when I was a kid, sheer dumb luck. Um, mm. honestly, I'm I'm actually surprised I actually didn't try and take a knife to myself when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think the only thing that actually kept me really going was my mom um which is why i'm i mean i said i wasn't really going to get into it so i'm not i'm going to keep that part brief um she was literally the only reason um i never went through with it when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. um because i knew how much it would pain her so i i just gritted my teeth as much as i could um and it was actually really painful at times, but mm-hmm. uh, other than that, let's see. Um, I think one of the things that saved me was when we moved from Illinois to Michigan uh, and I met my best friend. Um, he he kind of pulled me out of the gutter, showed me that humans weren't hor- all horrible people. Mm-hmm. 
um, until he left. And then everybody else actually showed me that they were horrible people. Yeah. They all much. switched up on you after he relocated yeah. to the UK. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them actually, cause they're like, there were a lot of them that, that basically just stopped talking to me or, you know, stopped inviting me to stuff. You know, it shit happens, right. You could go into high school get new friends. Yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily that uncommon. Um, the ones that, that really pissed me off were the ones that would like make up shit about me, like start rumors and shit. Um, mm-hmm. those ones definitely pissed me off. Um, and then I said, to be honest, I don't know how I pulled myself out most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it was just, it was always me holding on to some sliver of hope that even though, everything looked like it was so bleak and that there was no point um, for me anymore. I would yeah. find some, some minute thing to hold on to. Um, yeah. Like even, even now um, I don't think I'm, I'm at a very bad spot uh, with any of my suicidal thoughts right now. Um, because I still have hope that, you know, with the coming procedure, with some of the medication, um, or even the fact that I have, you know, a new specialist that I'm going to be able to see here soon, um, that I'm hoping that there's there's going to be some kind of solution. But the, the fact that, you know, chronic migraines are the third most debilitating thing in this world there's almost no funding for research for it. Um, and it's just recently in the past few years starting to get some leeway um, in um, like the courts as being allowed to be considered disability. Um, mm-hmm. And people are starting to get uh, actual claims to beyond disability for this. Uh, which I think is just crazy um, as someone who normally gets some five to before whatever it is I'm going through now, I get them five to six times a week. Um, I would be able to, to fake it till I make it type attitude uh, for the most part. Uh, even with medication, I think I'd still have one to two bad days where I would struggle through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, people who, who would see me at work uh, at one of the places where I worked for five and a half years, they they can attest to it quite often. It, I mean, there were times where I just I literally couldn't function. Um, and I just, people just don't understand, like, just because you're not in a wheelchair, missing a leg, an arm, an eye, what have you, doesn't mean that you're not incapable of things at times Um, yeah so i try to hold out for hope that something's gonna work for me um because i love being outdoors i love hiking that sort of stuff um i haven't been able to since 2019 Uh, i can barely look outside my window half the time so Mm -hmm. um, once once I'm able to start going outside again, I think that will help keep me out of 
the literal darkness <laughs> because right. my room right now is basically a, pitch a black pit. <laughs> yeah so um but also the the darkness that we're talking about on this episode so um it's all about trying to find that spark that is life um and like i was saying before it's sometimes it's it's hard um not all of us are blessed with being able to find it when we're younger um some of us find it in our 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s some of us feel like we can never find it and we decide not to even look any further so um Mm. and that's where i'm hoping that we can guide those people um to those who can help shine light in other areas um so they don't stop looking amen to that amen to that uh thank you for sharing chris but most importantly thank you for stepping up to the plate and becoming vulnerable and very uncomfortable about a topic that I'll be brutally honest. And you and I, we've been close for, we've been friends for a very long time that I had no idea. Like 13 on. years. Yeah. Something like that. You know, not too long, I guess. Um, guess going to be. be. <laughs> um, yeah. I had no idea you, you know, you went through that. I know you you keep those close to your chest, but that just makes me um that just makes me appreciate our our brotherhood even more. And you know I'm here for you. You know I you know I love you, and I got tons and tons of love for you. I just uh don't don't stop fighting the good fight, man. That's all. Don't um, stop believing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Journey. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're at the tail end of the episode. I really appreciate your testimony that you just gave. But let's uh, let's go ahead and fire off our pop culture themes of the week, man. Probably not use the word fire off. Um, I'm sorry. Let's go ahead and sh- I almost said shoot off. <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, no. I don't want to say that either. Let's, oh. let's go ahead and give and choose. Um, <laughs> give our pop culture themes of the week. Uh, for, for me, I will say Wale and his new album, Falarin 2. It is an incredible piece of work. I think as of recent, he has been putting out lackluster albums. And uh, oh, I think a lot of I think a lot of um fans have been kind of iffy on it, but this last album, Falarin 2 by Wale is pretty solid you know there's about 15 tracks and i've only skipped over two of them and you know i think it might have been his best work since um the mixtape i forget was oh more about nothing the one with no hands on it the first time i heard Mm -hmm. that so i was just say no hands was i think a little too hype for him because then he just he set the bar too high for himself oh absolutely yeah (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that's that's certainly mine i love that album uh it's very refreshing um and he uh he got back to his roots on it so it was a very solid album from start to finish all there right go, there you go what about you Christopher? um so i had one um that i was thinking about at the beginning of the episode i completely forgot it Mm, that's always fun uh it actually had to do with the theme too and it makes me sad that i i forgot it 
But that's what happens when your brain don't work too good. Mm, like I said, it's the brain pain coach. Um, but I actually have one. Um, it's actually my go-to if I ever need um, a real cry, which as humans, we, we do need to we have need, real yeah. cries every once in a while. Um, yeah. be, a, be a real man and take your cry when you need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the movie that, that actually gets me to get in my feels actually pertains a lot with one of the biggest reasons why I've always had suicidal thoughts, uh, which pertains to, I think it was like episode three or four for us, which was um, what happened to me uh, with uh, being raped and everything. So the movie's called Perks of uh, Being a Wallflower, I think. Now I'm forgetting the fucking movie now. Mm. Wow. Brain not working. Um, but towards the end of the movie, um, the way the way they portray um, how he starts feeling about himself um, during his suicidal uh, episode hits home severely for me. Um, I don't know if I would say that it's very accurate or like, you know, 100 percent or anything like that but it definitely hits home on a lot of different marks for me so mm-hmm. um i will say that it's it's not easy to identify someone who might have suicidal thoughts um, like you were saying we've been close friends for 13 years it's not something that you could have picked up on um one it probably couldn't have been something you you picked up on even if you were suicidal um because even even myself like i might pick up on something but then i'll probably deny it because i don't want to believe that you also might be having some of those thoughts but perks Mm -hmm. of perks of a wallflower being a wallflower or something like that so i like it i like it and again um thank you for uh, being uncomfortable and sharing that with us uh, ladies and gentlemen um, boys and girls boys and girls please I, I beg of you to just make sure you checking in on, on your people you know whether you think they're good or not that could be the difference maker checking in on them and simple smiles simple smiles and just chatting them up you know, that could be the silver lining right there. So, um, you know, we don't want it to be too late. And what we'll end up doing is okay. if you are Actually, on on that line too, about not being too late, tell, tell people that you love them. Yes. I mean, I know I'm a coward when it comes to to like women and stuff like that. But just tell the people that you love that you love them. Mm hmm. Hey, I mean, I just said it not too long ago, a couple minutes ago. I said, I, I love you. And I also got love for you, man. You, you, you're my brother. You always have been. So I have no problem saying that to, to the people I love. That's something that I've gotten uh, a lot more Jinokune-ke. comfortable with. Jinokune-ke. That's that's right. And we'll also put uh, the suicide hotline number on this episode as well. In the event that you do have suicidal tendencies and thoughts, we'd rather you be here with us. Okay. So with that being said, thank you for joining us on this uh, heartfelt and um, very serious topic, which is suicide. But we are the men of the year, your mama's favorite group of men. Until next time, we'll get out with you guys. Peace.
Men of the year, men of the year, men of the year, men of the year, 